live here with Landon Thompson, first guest yep. on the Split the Difference podcast. I've been super excited for this. Me too, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. Thanks, I, thanks for doing this. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm an avid listener. I know you are. I appreciate it. In fact, the uh, picture that you took with uh, my t-shirt on yep. got a lot of <laughs> yep. a lot of likes on it. I, the The main reason I wanted to do that was to show up everybody else who was going to do it. I mean, well, that was really the only reason. Of course. And you did. Because everyone would look and be like, oh. He did it. I didn't climb a mountain. And right. <laughs> right. I thought that I was a fan of Split the Difference. But I turns out that I'm not. You're not because Landon Landon blew me right. out of the water. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been a ton of fun having this podcast and putting it together. And one of the big things that I wanted to do, obviously, would start having people on. Mm. And I was like, "Who's the most interesting person that I know?" And it's got to be Landon. And he wasn't available. <laughs> so you said, uh, "Landon's call next Landon best." Yeah, see. yeah. Well, I was like, "Hey, if I can sit down and have a glass of bourbon." Yeah. You know, talk, yeah, yeah. have a good time. That sounds like a, fan. yeah, I know you are. Well, I've got, so we got a little bit of bullet. That's normally Great. my go-to. Yeah. If that's all right. Um, yeah, yeah. And we can go ahead and if you want to go ahead and pour up, Thank you, you can much, sir. as we get started. Um, yeah, cool. So I think a uh, goal of these podcasts is basically going to be to just talk, have a conversation, um, enjoy one another, have a good drink, um, have some good you know, good storytelling if we need to or if we want to, and uh, just kind of see where the conversation takes us. Does that uh, sound like a plan? I'm here for it. Cool. Awesome. So um, for people that don't know who you are, mm. who is Landon Thompson? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've <clears throat> been trying to figure that out myself. <laughs> yeah, so I am from Nashville, Tennessee. Me and my wife are. We moved to Columbia, South Carolina in 2009. Um, we are photographers. So pretty much anything creative is kind of what we do. Yeah. We've been self-employed for 15 years now. So It's a long time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for, you know, if you're our age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, and, uh, I mean, pretty much, any, like I said, anything creative is kind of what we do. So we do design stuff. We do photography. We do website stuff like that. Um, recently, we're getting out of the photography stuff, focusing hmm. on design. And I've been learning a lot about homesteading, farming. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you. We got to get into that later. Yeah. Because that's fun. Building a house outside of the city. You know, good timing. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Considering no one knows what's going to happen. <laughs> right, right. We're in some crazy times right now, yeah. to say the least. I think everybody's ready for some precedented times. Didn't even plan for it, but it worked out yeah. very well. Um, I can answer more questions. I mean, I, you know, I don't. I haven't written a book. Yeah, that's okay. We don't need you to write a book. Uh, so I'd, yeah. one of the things that I do that I do have questions about and that I've been very interested in is what it's been like owning small businesses through this past year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at 2020, there's no doubt that the, I mean, the statistically and behind the data, the people that have been hit the hardest are small business owners and uh, people that are, you know, basically, especially very service industry oriented, right? And with a lot of like wedding photography, I mean, no, you can't have weddings, you know? Right. Um, what has that been like? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm in the 
a lot of what I do is entertainment. So photography, I run an incredible wedding band. That is a fact. You would know firsthand. That's right. We use them for our wedding. What's it called? Station 7 Band. Best band around. Yeah, it's great. And we can can link all the stuff, how to get in touch with you for Station 7. Perfect. Great. Um, Yeah, so the shutdown hit. We're coming up on a year, right? Right, yeah. A year from 15 days to slow the spread. And so um, that happened. So for anyone in entertainment, that was unprecedented. Yeah, it was huge. That's never happened before to where the government said you can't hold events with more than so many people depending on where you live. Right. And so, yeah, for us and for um, a lot of other small business owners that I know, some who own restaurants here in Columbia, Mm -hmm. I mean, no one knew what was happening. Right. So everything was shut down. We kind of sat and waited to see what what was going to happen. Um, so the government came out with, you know, PPP loans and right, stuff right. like that, which, which was helpful. But I'll, I'll go ahead and say, as a, from a small business owner, it was also scary to take part in that stuff. Someone who, me, like I said, I'm a creative person all the way. So right. When you're reading all this legal jargon about, right. you know, you can get this much money. If you do these steps, it'll be forgivable. Mm-hmm. Right. And but you're worried. It's like, yeah, this would be really helpful. This will help get me through this time. But it won't help if it's just a loan at the end of the day. Right. I mean, maybe some it will, you know, it'll help get you through and then you can pay back if you need to. But uh, I know for me and other franchise owned businesses, they were hesitant. They yeah. almost wanted to kind of hold off and not take it. So it was helpful, but also scary. So, so I took part in one and right now I have on my bank, I have a loan and I hope it'll be forgivable and they'll, they'll right. forgive it. Right. But I don't know, you know, so, and so that's a scary place to be in. It is. Yeah. And so, like I said, it was helpful, but also you're hesitant. You hope it's going to be forgiven. They said it will be if you do the A, B, C, and D and, EFG and right. the rest of the alphabet. But can you trust it? You right. Know? And I think I that that's know. right. And I think that that's what. It was also one administration that gave it. And now there's another completely one different administration. Right. And you never know. I mean, the Congresses have, have flipped a good bit too since then as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're walking into January and you're kind of looking at your goals for the year in 2020, you're like, all right, you know, these are the things that I want to do. And then a month later, all of that's out the window. It's like, well, what are we going to do in order to be able to get by? You know, right. like what, like what are the, what are the steps that we need to take so that we can pay our bills? You know, mm-hmm. and I, the, I think that at face value, a lot of those PPP loans and the SBA loans and mm-hmm. stuff like that are very good and like they were needed. But if they come with a price tag at the end, or right. if they're not forgivable, you know, what, 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 what are a lot of these small businesses going to do? You know, I don't know, and so. That would have been helpful, having that a little more clear cut, I think. Yeah. And then, you know, and so you get worried, but then you hear about these, you know, universities or other huge businesses that took out multi-millions right. of dollars. And I'm like, eh, maybe they'll just kind of forget about the rest of it. Yeah, all the small guys. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. But also and that may sometimes be true. what happens is they take care of the big guys and sometimes the small guys. Are the ones that get. But. Yeah. We'll see what happens. So we had that, which was good and bad. And 
the cool thing though, I, I will say this, and I did hear this from a lot of my friends who own small businesses. But yeah, I, I feel like you didn't hear about this a lot. I didn't hear about it. One thing I noticed is a lot of people, their job didn't change. So they got to work from home. Right. Everything was the same. And what I saw a ton is those people supporting their local business. And so mm -hmm. my wife, she is a painter as well. And we had a lot of people when lockdown happened and people were realizing this isn't going to be 15 days. This isn't going to be right. two months. Right. Well, it's like that first week turns into two weeks, turns into a month, turns into two months. Now we're sitting here a year later. Right. And we're looking around and we're like, uh, is it, is this going to end? Is this what, this is just the new normal, you yeah. know? But you were saying they help small bit. A lot of people are helping small business. Yeah. I saw, I felt like I saw a lot of that too. Yeah, I did. And that, that was cool. That was really neat because sure. Maybe you're working at home and, and you have a steady paycheck, but if we're honest, I think all of us are a little nervous. Oh, hundred percent. Well, I mean, no one's safe. You right. Know, even the biggest CEO. Oh, absolutely not. And, but watching people say, you know what? I'm okay. I'm working from home. I have a paycheck. I want to buy a, a painting or I want to do this. And I saw that a ton. And that was really cool. Sadly, some of that stuff doesn't get, you know, reported. Right. But, um, I think across the board, more than the loan from the government, it was, I mean, obviously, I mean, it wasn't that much, even if you took the loan to the fullest amount, it would only cover you for two or couple three months. months. I mean, max. it's not yeah. much at all. Yeah. I mean, kind of like, you know, the, um, the checks, the stimulus checks everybody got. Right. Well, it's hilarious. Cause I was, I was thinking about this and talked about this the other day too, but, um, another one of my buddies is a small business owner as well. And he, I was talking to him about taking out those PPP loans and I think the max, and I can get fact checked on this, but the max I believe was fourteen thousand dollars that you could get from it, um, depending Everybody? on yeah, yeah, fourteen thousand per person for small business. Oh, it all depend, depends depends on, on the size of your business, your your monthly expenses. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so so I think that the idea though behind it was that the PPP loans were really only supposed to last, you know, help get businesses through for two months, right? right? And then you know the government's like, we're going to send out a stimulus check, and it's going to be twelve hundred dollars a person. Mm -hmm. And for those people that really needed it, that $1,200 went a pretty long ways, you know? I mean, especially if you've got a household with two kids and, you know, uh, two working adults. I mean, right. you're talking about, you know, total getting $3,600 out of nowhere. I mean, that would be, a, a, I mean, incredible help. But it's a lot like what you're saying. Like, the vast majority of the people that I know are doing the exact same job. They're just working at home, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, for me, like, obviously podcasting getting paying the bills for me. So, like, I still work full time, mm -hmm. right? I'd love for podcasting to pay my bills, but right. <laughs> not quite there yet. But, I mean, I, you know, my job, I do the exact same thing, except now I, I sit on my couch in my gym shorts, you know? And if anything, my expenses have dramatically decreased because for a very long time, I couldn't go to a restaurant. I couldn't go to a bar. I couldn't go on vacations or travel, right? I couldn't go out and see people. It's like, what What are you going to spend your money on? Well, you're, you're not. And I think you're starting to see like a whole lot of the financial data that has come out about uh, like everyday American spending and the amount of credit that they have is like actually through 2020, the people that have been slammed the hardest are very, very low wage workers and small mm -hmm. business owners, yeah. but everybody else is doing great. 
Like they're paying down their debt. They're paying off their credit cards. They're saving more money than they have in a very, very long time. Um, and it's all because for the most part, like they got the stimulus checks, but they didn't need it, you mm -hmm. know? And right. so it's like, well, all right, with this next round of stimulus that's coming up, why don't you just pare down the amount of people that actually get it? Like, yeah, it would be nice if I get another $1,400 check from the government, but mm -hmm. like my wife and I don't need that. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. we're going to be fine without it. I would much rather you give it to somebody that would actually need it. And then maybe that's not a popular opinion, right? Most people would be like, give me mine, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you know, along those same lines. Uh, if you get it, at least you know where it's going. Right. And and you would hope, oh, by me sacrificing this, it's going to go to the right person. Well, maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But you never know, right? It's the government yeah. handing out money. Right. You don't know where that stuff's but going. Honestly, yeah, exactly. Kind of the point I was making before, what got small businesses through was their neighbor. Mm. Who knows them? That That's who got every small business through this. People who decided, you know what, I want to uh, give my money and help support small local business. The government definitely didn't bail anybody out. Right, right. Which is amazing because that's what the politicians are all claiming right now. Oh. If it wasn't been for the COVID stimulus, people would never made it through. I, yeah. I, I personally, I mean, just logically, with how much money they, they would give you, I mean, there's no way they could. Right. Anybody could have made it at all. Um, in the same way, what would help small businesses is for everyone to get a stimulus check if you don't need it. Take that and support a small business. Right, right, right. You know, um, and I, I think in theory that's what a lot and of politicians honestly, would like. I would trust, from what I, in my experience, I would trust the American people to do that a little bit more than I would <laughs> yeah. the government to do that. Yeah, no, I, I'm 100% there with you. 100%. That's what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that goes back to, like, I think one of the – Especially you see you see this a lot from especially the right side of the aisle, like the Republicans. One of the big things that they always push is that it's not the government's role and responsibility to be able to maintain the charity to its people. It's the people within America that have the responsibility of acting charitably towards their you know, other fellow Americans, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that this COVID pandemic in a lot of ways really kind of showed the importance of that. You know, like being able to hear like people calling up like, you know what? I don't I don't necessarily need a painting right now, but like I know that Jordan sells paintings and I know that right now a lot of their income may mm. not be coming in. I'm going to buy a painting. Right. You know, because I care for them. I care for the Thompsons. You yeah. Know? And people people did that. Right. Um, the other. So just talking about small business. Uh, you know, someone like me who is entrepreneurial. Right. Um, I always have a couple of businesses in my back pocket where, and uh, I'll kind of like test the waters and see how that's going. Uh, what's crazy, and, and I've seen this too, is that you really don't, you have to, uh, if you're somebody who likes to s start businesses, you have to kind of change your whole plan because what you used to be able to depend on, the simple fact that people could go out and buy a meal at a restaurant. Hmm. You can't, can't do it anymore. You can't depend on that anymore. And so I had friends who, I mean, who had five, 10, 15 year plans and they have to rethink it. You know, so even for me in starting, you know, this uh, farming organic gardening journey, you know, at first, you know, my goal was to 
grow high quality produce and sell to high-end restaurants that's what i wanted to do well now maybe you can do that right you know, what happens if there's another wave what happens if this this happens again in 10 years god forbid that that does you yeah know? yeah so uh you have to think what can i do with my business that if something like this were to happen i can still make money yeah what what could I do, you know, despite any government sanction, could I still make money? And um, what I've seen a lot is so, so funny. Years ago when I was doing research and all this, you know, gardening and and, and uh, it came from a lot of different places. The main one, and, and this is, I mean, it's a long story. I'll, I'll, I'll jump ahead, is seeing all the horrible farming practices Across America. Oh, there's some pretty bad ones. Your 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 large scale macro crop. Right. It's just not healthy for the environment. Oh no, it's awful for the environment. Um, it's awful for your food. Yeah, it's all it's, the way around. It's yeah, exactly. And so uh there's this wave of people trying to do something different. There's this documentary that was in theaters. I think it's called The Little Big Farm. You can look that up. Yeah, we uh, for uh, anybody wondering who Landon's talking to, that is Matthew. Uh, that's my brother Matthew over there. He is going to be our uh, our aficionado sitting behind the camera. So big thanks to him also for mm -hmm. his service right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Little Big Farm is the name of it. Okay, I re cool. uh, go on I'll Amazon, to, wherever, wherever it is, pay the five bucks, rent it, watch it. Cool story. Um, oh, no, it's The Biggest Little Farm. The Biggest Little Farm. That's it. That's yeah. yeah. Okay. I really recommend that. The Biggest Little Farm. Okay. Find, I'll have to check that out. Find it online. It's going to change your life. I feel confident saying that. Yeah. Maybe a little change. But the concept, you know, what can we do to provide food that's sustainable? That is is a lot harder than you might think. If you go Why? To a, Why is that? Th all right. Um, because our concept of money and food is off. Mm. Very similar to, I have a buddy who owns a home building company and he builds really high quality homes. Now, unfortunately he loses bids all the time because there's a market for really low quality homes that just pop up quick. And so people lose that frame of reference. Right. Food is the same way. You go to Mc, you know, McDonald's, McDonald's, pay $2 for a burger or something. I dare you to make that burger for $2. Oh, right. Well, there's no way you can. There's no way you can. Now, you know, maybe you can say, yeah, it's because I'm not selling millions a day. If I went and bought, you know, a million pounds of beef, maybe you, you get it down. Maybe. I don't, I'm not really sure though. Well, it wouldn't be quality, right? It, and it, I mean, that's why, that's how McDonald's has made, right. made all their money, right? I mean, you're able to have these gigantic factory farms and it's all economies of scale, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you've got, you know, you've got a, a, a cattle ranch with, you know, a, a million steer on it, you mm -hmm. know, running across, you know, Middle Eastern America or, or, you know, down in Brazil and you're importing all that beef in, it's much, much cheaper. And, you know, you can, it's not going to be good quality at all, but no. you're not worried about quality. Right. You know. But don't you think there's an argument to be made that like that cheap food 
is is good as well like that you need both where you have uh you have yes you your sustainable farms that are smaller that are much high, higher quality in the produce and the food that you're getting but at the same time like sometimes it's nice to be able to go and spend two dollars and get a mcchicken i think as americans we have to have cheap food or everyone will starve to death now that is because how americans choose to live fair enough yeah. I also know, uh, to loop this around real quick, most of the people that die of COVID have comorbidities. Yep. We're not a healthy nation. At all. And I think that l- does link to the fact of us having this value of food that isn't really there. A lot of what we do really doesn't make sense. If you think about it, H- how is it possible that at any second of the day, there is enough food at every second of the day to feed every single person in your city. Oh, yeah, easily. That's kind of... Right, well, there's enough food. That's great, but it's also kind of nuts just to think about it. Yeah, yeah. I also think about it this way. You can go into any of the five or six home improvement stores that are in your city, and they're full of wood all the time. Right. For me, when I look at that, it's like, I I don't know how this is sustainable. Yeah. And people would say, well, it's not, you know, well, of course it's not. There's, right. We're taking down our, our forest, you know, and um, to make all this happen. So part of what I want to do, and, and I feel like I've gone on a couple rabbit trails. No, that's all right. That's what we're here for is uh, is to retrain people. What is high quality food? What where does your food come from? And. What should you focus on when you're eating or growing your food? Uh, so years ago, as I was getting into all this, I followed this guy. He's on YouTube. He's called um, The Urban Farmer, I think was his name. And so his whole thing, uh, Curtis Stone, if you want to look him up, that's his name, uh, was he was in the city downtown, and he was a market gardener, which means you grew for markets, farmer's markets. And – he did this for years. He took a quarter of an acre. His thing was like, you can make $100,000 off a quarter of an acre. And he showed you how to do it. Now it's his whole thing. <laughs> and, and like he wrote books on it and everything. And that's how he made money. And right now he bought um, several acres out in Canada. He's from Canada. He didn't move there. Several acres and he's doing a homestead and he's trying to grow his own food. It's <laughs> that's like, awesome. It's um. But that goes back to what I'm saying about people who own businesses. You have to rethink how you're doing things. Right, right. You have and to so, change everything up. Right. And, and you know, this guy who for years sold to restaurants, that was his thing. Grow high-quality food, sell it to restaurants, sell it to farmer's markets, sell it to people who value it. And a lot of that was gone. Yeah. Especially the restaurant business. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so – he had to rethink, all right, if things go really, really bad, could I even grow enough food for my family, you mm. know, or my neighbors? And so it's a cool journey. He and other families chipped in like 5000 each. They had $25,000, and they started this farm that would ultimately feed the five families. And it was kind of an experiment, but also they were all – slightly freaked out yeah this, this was earlier on during lockdown oh okay so this was last year this was last year. okay 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 he did that and then 
that was multiple families, you know, outside of the city. And then he, then he bought his own property way outside of the city. He's doing this whole homestead thing. That's so cool. Well, and there's been a huge push into the homestead, like that whole homestead kind of community, like that lifestyle, the idea of like getting out of this urban center and moving out and having your own land and your own house. Because I mean, for the past hundred years or so, there's been a nonstop push towards urbanization. I mean, everybody's flocking into cities and the, the land, the housing is incredibly expensive. Mm. The food is expensive. And I really do think that it's a bit of a sobering thought to, to sit down and say, all right, well, if tomorrow the grocery store didn't have food, what would I do? Well, yeah. And that's, I think that that is a, a, that's sobering, right? That's sobering to me sitting here because I, I don't have a garden. Like I don't have enough land for a garden, you know, like what am I going to do? I don't even know how to grow food. And the funny thing is, is I, my day job, I, I work in farm credit. So mm. all day long, I am looking at reports and analysis and, you know, market segments of farmers, rural homeowners as well. And we have seen a gigantic explosion in the amount of people moving out of cities and mm. wanting to get land in rural areas. I mean, the rural home loan programs for all of the associations that we're that I work with are all going through the roof right now. And it's from people moving out of New York and California and large cities in Florida or Atlanta. And they're like, you know what? Like I, one, I can work from home and I don't, I don't have to be in a city because I don't have to go into the office anymore. So I'm going to, I want to buy land. I want to, I want to be able to walk outside and see grass. If I want to, I want to be able to grow my own food, learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, YouTube has a wealth of information, you know, you can learn how to do it. And, create a way to where you are living your own sustainable lifestyle and that's beneficial to your family. And then if something, God forbid, something does happen, you're fine. You can provide for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how we're like just now re-realizing all of this when like really literally just a hundred years ago, they'd be laughing at us like, what? Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every, uh, my, my granddad would, yeah, you know, I think most of our grandparents, if I had to guess, have their own garden. Right. Because most of their parents, that was a, a, a big chunk of their family's food came from that garden. Oh, yeah. And well, so, especially if you grew up in the South. Like yeah. our like our mother was the first generation of our family to not grow up on a farm. You know, like our whole family, they were all farmers, right? They all grew up, you know walking outside and looking at the fields that provided them the majority of their food. Isn't that a a crazy thought though? You talk to someone from a hundred years ago and uh, let's just say, you know, hypothetically we ran out of food and they're like, Oh man, so many people died. And they're like, why? Well, you know, we ran out of food. Like, why didn't you grow it? No one knew how to grow. Nobody knew how to grow grow their own food. I mean, well, it's it's so funny that you say that because we made my wife and I put together the the dinkiest little garden you've ever seen in your life out on our one tenth of an acre of land and outside here living in downtown Columbia. And I was so excited about it because mm-hmm. like our mother always had a little garden growing up with tomatoes and squash and all kinds of fun stuff. 
And I remember being like, I'm going to get out there and grow my own tomatoes. I'm going to grow um, some jalapenos. You know, I'm going to get some bell peppers. You know, it's going to be good. And we got to the end of the summer and I was like, I didn't do any of this right. Like it looked terrible, you know, and I didn't get any good, get any good vegetables out of it. And I was like, oh man, I'd be in for a rude awakening if I had to start growing my own food. <laughs> right. Well, then you do it. And then if you're honest, so you, so you do all that work. You, you get your first harvest. Maybe it's a, a small basket full of stuff. Um, and then maybe the rest of the, of the season, maybe you get five more baskets. And you're like, man, that was great. I spent probably four times as much on this garden as I did, you know, buying these. Buying all the grocery, grocery store. store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then again, though, it goes back to my, uh, I mean, statement that something, the breakdown doesn't make, make sense here. That... Uh, if, if I, if I grow something, even if I do it on a large scale, let's say, you know, I I plant 15 tomato plants. So, so I'm getting it to a higher ratio for my time involved. And and Mm -hmm. if, and this is, you know, the issue now, if I can't sell that tomato for, for, for cheaper than I would buy it at the grocery store. Well, then somewhere along the chain, wherever that tomato's grown, either the, either it's a horrible uh, quality of a tomato. It was just grown terribly. Or someone's making very little money to grow that. Somewhere in Mexico hmm. or somewhere in South America, somebody's getting ripped off in the process. Right. Because... You can't pay someone well to grow high quality food and then and then get it for as cheap as we can get it right now. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the things going back to one of the things that you were saying earlier about um, like the health of our food and the health of our country. One of the things that I think has been like mind blowing to me is the lack of education and the lack of pushing into health as being a primary concern during this pandemic. And like, why has there not been more of a focus around the food that we're eating, right? The food that we're getting from our grocery store. Like if you're, if you're going up to Walmart and you were buying a bag of chicken for $8 and it's going to feed you for a week and a half, at some point you've got to sit down and think like, is the food that I'm putting into my body good for me? And then when you look at like the number of people that, are dying as a result of of COVID because they have comorbidities like heart disease or diabetes or you know a plethora of other things like obesity. All of these things are so closely tied into the food that we're consuming every single day. But there's been no talk about that. Like when you hear the government people in government talking, or I mean even you know at, at any like CNN hosts or on major news networks, you don't hear a lot of people being like well, why is health not a concern, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why is it not okay to tell Americans, like, you guys are way overweight. You guys eat like crap. Like, why don't you guys get a little bit healthier and it would probably protect you a lot more, you know? Man, I think about that a lot. Yeah, because the truth is, if you're a healthy person, statistically, you're immune. It's it's not going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll be down for a couple days. Right. But you're going to kick it like you kick probably a lot of sicknesses that all of us get probably once a year because your body's healthy and it's going to fight it off. Right. And I think 
you know, we were not prepared as a nation for a disease like this. Not even close. But in more ways than one, we're not also not prepared on a health level for something like this. I think if anything, all the all the issues COVID has has brought to light, all these all the new issues that COVID has has given us. <laughs> one, I agree that nobody's talking about is that we are because of our health, Americans can get wiped out pretty easily because we don't take care of ourselves. Now that's not um, shame on somebody at all. I don't blame a single person for not being healthy because it's hard to get access sometimes to healthy food. Right. And truth be told, it's, it's just not out there. There, there is so much we could do to teach people, to offer people. But I mean, and it goes, you know, down a whole nother rabbit hole of why is so much crappy food available? Right. Well, so like, how does it change? Right. How does that, how, how does this start to shift? How do people start consuming and having better access to more healthy food? Is the answer everybody go out and buy a parcel of land and homestead? Well, that's not possible. Right. <laughs> for most people. Um, I go back to the idea that somebody's getting ripped off somewhere. And either the person who's picking those tomatoes is getting ripped off really, really bad. Um, or you're getting ripped off for just the type of food that you eat. Somebody's getting ripped off, and at the same time, somebody's making a lot of money. Yeah, well, there's always – you can follow the money. And you can always Some, find somebody that's raking it in. Right. I believe it would be uh, – to answer your question, how do you, how do you fix the issue? Um, I think a lot of the food that we see in the grocery store, a lot of those ingredients honestly shouldn't be allowed to be in there, right? Um, Fruit Loops shouldn't be called a breakfast food. <laughs> How dare you say that? It, I love some sugary breakfast right. cereal. Oh well, man, I love it. Fruit some Loops, cinnamon toast crunch. Fruit Loops should be called what it is, candy. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That is the part of a balanced breakfast, Landon. Exactly. Don't that, you understand? <laughs> and yeah, and that's what and that's what we're all we're all taught. Oh know? yeah. Well, and, that's what I thought so, growing up. Growing up, we would eat pop tarts and cereal for breakfast. Oh yeah, me too. Just shoveling sugar in. I mean, honestly, our diet is made up of wheat and sugar. That, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's most that's most of what we eat. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could talk for hours about how do you fix the issue. Uh, there are people trying to fix fix it, bringing farmers to low-income neighborhoods and selling directly to them. Uh, I've seen that firsthand, and, and that's helpful. Um, but there, there, there are so much larger people at play, the companies that make the food. You know, they're, they're lobbyists that allow them to put the ingredients you know oh yeah um it's it, it, it's a whole mess oh it is well it's like um one of my favorite story stories ever is cisco the like or crisco i think is the name of it um crisco yeah it basically is a lard they the the formula for it and matthew you can fit you can check me on this but the formula for <laughs> it nobody really knows 
exactly what's in it. And it can't be changed because they filed a very, very specific patent like uh, over a hundred years ago. And they, the federal government can't do anything about it. Like Crisco can just continue to shovel whatever, like they could have rat poison in there and nobody would know it. And there's no way to be able to stop them from doing it because, you know, they were able to lobby well enough mm-hmm. long ago enough to where they can just do whatever they want with it. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. That kind of stuff goes on. But like, I mean, you, you never know what's in your food. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, like you're still going to eat it and you're still going to drink it, especially if you don't know, like the, I mean, people, if you have a lack of education in it, there's just no way you're ever going to know to not eat a McDonald's burger or right. drink a Mountain Dew, even though, I mean, it is literally putting poison into your body in a lot of ways. It's bad. And I think, uh, I think COVID has, has exposed that. Mm. And once again, what's sad is a lot of the people who have access to healthy food, they have money. Yeah, no, that's true. And like, I, I count myself as one of those people where it's like, if I could, if it was like of that much importance to Carson and I, we could absolutely go out and buy, you know, whole like food that is grown on from a locally sourced farm. But I mean, at the end of the day, it just costs a lot more money. Mm -hmm. And it's hilarious how when Carson and I sit down and we're writing out a budget, food is what we're trying to reduce our expenses on as much as possible. And it's like, well, what, what, how can we, how can we eat cheaper? Like what, what do we need to do in order to eat cheaper as opposed to what do we need to be doing in order to eat healthier and like have food that's better for our bodies? Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. So for people who they've been blessed enough to have a stable job, some of it, uh, because let's be honest, um, there are a lot of fat, wealthy people. That is a fact. <laughs> um, and uh, some of it is reprioritizing your budget. Um, I had a buddy who said, you know, yeah, we pay a lot of money in food. But the way I, I look at it is I'm either going to pay for it now or I'm going to pay for it in hospital bills in 20 years. That's That's fair. Or pay for it in pharmaceuticals that I have to take to keep my cholesterol down. You know, or pay for this crazy diabetes medicine, you know, Mm, yeah. and, uh, but we don't, but because we have in our, in our head, we had that, man, God, I could have only spent $5 on this meal at McDonald's. We we kind of feel bad about it. Right. But, but uh, so, so for those of us who are lucky enough to, to be able to reallocate funds to go buy some healthy stuff, either, um, and, and support restaurants who make those decisions because there are. Right. You know, the um, small sugar here in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, and, there, and there's, there's several of them, but that's one. She does a great job. You can go in there and she has a whole list of all the local people she supports. Yeah. Buys their uh, produce, stuff that they grow, whatever it is. You're going to spend a lot more there than if you – you know, let, let's just let's poop on McDonald's the whole time. Then yeah. if you go to, then if you get, <laughs> they're the poster uh, child right? for American obesity, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> you're gonna spend more there, uh, but putting your money there is is also supporting people who are trying to make those decisions. Then she also pays every one of her workers a living wage. I mean, it's it's a if you if you haven't been there, go support Small Sugar. Yeah. Um, well, but I see. I think that in a lot of ways, you're starting to see businesses shift more towards that, very simply because 
there are people that want to support that. And, and I do think that that's a generational mindset shift where you're starting to see the millennial generation look at climate change, for example, or look at sustainability. And they're like, all right, well, I would, for me, I would rather spend my money on something that's much more uh, suitable and beneficial for the environment mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, where in the, maybe the baby, baby boomer generation or the silent generation before them where they were like, I would rather not spend my money on something that's going to be benefiting the, the the climate, and I would rather spend that money somewhere else. And so hopefully, you know, as the mindset and as, you know, different things start to shift with just changing demographics, that will slowly but surely start to change because you're starting to see a lot more like, you know, clean eating and, yeah. you know, locally sourced grocery stores and business restaurants and businesses pop up here and there. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they stick around. I, I think that they will. Um, and maybe that becomes more popular. Yeah. People will have to make the decision just like they did to support local business. You know, I'm, I'm going to make the decision to spend more money on food, um, either for myself to keep me and my family healthy or at a restaurant who they are going above and beyond to, uh, to provide high quality food. Cause I'll tell you, if you own a restaurant, they they make it pretty easy for you as as far as like how to get low quality food. Oh yeah, uh, I mean it, it's it's not easy to 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 put a meal on a plate and say God, I know everybody wants to pay five bucks for that, but they got to pay twelve. Yeah, yeah. Be, be, because because I have five bucks in this meal because I decided to to go buy local bread, to go buy local um, asparagus or tomatoes or whatever you know. Right, right, so right. Making up a sandwich, but. Because <laughs> um, uh, if you start a restaurant, the companies, I mean, and they make it easy. I mean, they give you a book. We've all seen those, those giant semi-trucks, you know, and I forget the, the name of it, but it's um, where it's got food on it, and they're going to deliver to all these restaurants. Right. And once again, I mean, there's so many middlemen. Somebody's getting ripped off. At the end of the day, it's really you because, yeah. because you're not eating high-quality stuff. Yeah. Um, and so if you find a restaurant or a cafe somewhere and they've gone through the trouble to find those local farmers, support them because that wasn't given to them. Right. You know, they um, had to figure that out on their own. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have, you know, some farmers union who are just, you know, pumping all this stuff out. Right. Right. You know, they went and they asked around. Yeah, and, and they found those people, and, and they said, what are you growing? And they made a list. I mean, they, they put a lot of work into that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you see that, go go support them. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I think that's – and hopefully I do think that that's where, you know, demographics hopefully start to shift. But um, so you decided – y'all. when did y'all end up buying your land? It was like, what, like a year and a half ago now? Somewhere yeah. in there? So you're telling me 2019. Okay, okay, okay. So I guess that would have been before the pandemic and everything hit. But – I guess now, the are sum, you summer of 2019? Okay, okay, cool. So now though, I'm sure that you're looking at this and being like, maybe I need to build a bunker, right? <laughs> With everything that has happened over 2020, and a lot happened, right? Oh yeah. I mean, what what's going on with the country right now? Are you looking at your land and being like, thank the Lord, right now because <laughs> it yeah. looks like everything's about to go sideways? I mean. You hope it doesn't, of, but of you also want to prepare. I mean, uh, if anyone tries to go to 
their local uh, gun store, they will see a depletion of ammo and firearms. There's nothing there. Because most people are, are worried about it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah, I've had that thought. I mean, not bunker per se, but uh, of like, all right, power grid fails. How, <laughs> how do I keep food cold? You know, yeah, I'll get yeah. the old school buried in the ground. You yeah. Know? And, and well, there's a term for that. Well, it's it's crazy because I really do think that people for the first time in a very long time are starting to look around and like kind of be like, um, this is looking like it's not going in a good direction. And I was actually talking about it on the podcast the other day, but uh, there are uh, they did a NBC came out with a poll that was asking uh, voters if they felt like the country was going in the right direction, Republicans and Democrats. Republicans and Democrats jointly both said over 70% of the people thought the country was going in the wrong direction. And that's, I mean, that's scary, you know? And I, I really do think that stuff like that, like the Capitol Hill riots that ended up happening, they shows how fragile democracy actually is. You know, like when you yeah. see... The place where democracy is taking place, overrun by people with guns, by people with uh, wearing all kinds of crazy crap. Like, I mean, they were wearing all kinds of stuff uh, and carrying flags of the current sitting president. It's kind of scary. You're looking at that and you're like, maybe we don't have it all together like we thought we did. Like, this is scary. Or at least I've 70, had those thoughts. Oh, yeah. 70% is, is a high number. Yeah. But you look at all the protests that have happened throughout the whole year, and you're like, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Nobody's happy. The funny thing is, um, I looked at that riot different because, you know, normally when stuff goes down, there as a small business owner, there have been a lot of small businesses that have been ransacked. So I was like, finally, go just go destroy some government <laughs> building. That's so funny. It's so true, though. I feel like every single time that you see any videos of like all the rioting and the protesting right. and the looting, they're like throwing bricks through small business owners' yeah. windows, and it's like you're killing the communities that yeah, you live it's in. Like, I get it. I, I, I get. I understand why you're bad enough to do that. But when the riots happened, you know, there was a lot of like people. You know, it was like sacred ground. You know, they broke through the Capitol. And our senators, they, they were hunkering down. I was right. like, I, I wish that never happened. It was horrible. Every person who did that should go to prison. Absolutely, you know? right. Um, but I was like, you know what? Kind if, of funny as them for a change. every time <laughs> the country was mad, they went to the White House? Things would be a little different. I think it would. Yeah, yeah. I, so, so I was like, I... You know, I, I wish that would never happen. If it did, I wish it always happened there to those people. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I think those are the people who uh, who, are, who are fueling a lot of the stuff that's going yeah. on in one oh, way or another. Oh, 100%. But so, so yeah, that was horrible. It was crazy. But I, yeah, I just had a totally different outlook on it. Cause I that was is like, so, good. I actually, I've not heard I'm that glad those yet. people are hunkered down yeah. as opposed to. You know, people all throughout the city who are who are trying to figure this out. You know? Right. Um, oh, absolutely. It's well, probably not a good outlook, but that. well, I mean, at the end of the day, it is. It's funny because like, I I, I had zero sympathy seeing those people hunger down. I sorry, that's probably yeah. bad. Well, I mean, but I 
when it comes down to it, man, like those are the people that have to enact legislation in order for stuff to change. And I think that it is interesting how immediately it became so much more about like, we have to blame Trump for this. And like, don't get me wrong. Trump absolutely had a huge part to play in it. I mean, he was standing there in front of that crowd, not long before telling them to march down to Pennsylvania. Right. You know, but, but he wasn't the only player. Right. You have to look at those politicians that have worked so hard to instigate and inflame the country. I mean, just attacking both sides, just screaming and yelling at each other and attacking each other as much as possible. And, you know, when it comes down to it, it's it was kind of predictable. Like, seeing that kind of anger and fury bubble over eventually, and I mean, all throughout 2020. I mean, starting with the George Floyd protests. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I the Black Lives Matter protests, I think that you can debate all you want about Black Lives Matter as an organization, right? Because as an organization, it's, it's they're tough to support with some of their leadership. Right. But for the cause of Black Lives Matter, they were justifiably so out there protesting. Yeah. Which, like, looking, looking at what happened this past summer, and it's amazing for me to think about that, like, that was literally, that was like seven or eight months ago that George Floyd was killed. But, I mean, the people, the, you're right, the place that they should have really been protesting the most was right up there in Washington, D.C. You know, that's right. where the protesting needs to be taking place. But, you know, I, and there were some protests in D.C. But, there were. Not um, everybody can get up there. Uh, but I wish it was possible. I do. You know, I, I, I wish, you know, that city block that was held captive for however many months up in Seattle or something. Right, right. I wish that was done in D.C. Like, I, like I wish, mm. I wish the people who run our country had to experience that. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a train of thought. I well, it. I think that it's 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 difficult because on, on one hand you are you know I feel like the country is boiling up and getting to a place where they're like, something has to change. But I think because of the uh, the way a lot of the institutions in America are structured, it's very difficult to see like what needs to change, when it needs to change, and what it needs to change to, you know? And so like if you're trying to solve a problem like uh, like the amount of racism in America right now and the incredible rise of white supremacy – you can look to your politicians and say, listen, man, we, we need for men and women, we need for y'all to change this. But like, what, what can they do? You know, like you can march and you can protest, but at the end of the day, it's going to have to be a shift in culture and at, politics is downstream from culture, you know, and yeah. there's going to have to be and until I think Amer- the American constituents stop voting in people that are pushing legislation that's horrendous. There's not going to be a change. I agree. And, you know, talking about the Capitol riot, I agree. There is a whole lot Trump could have done and should have done to make sure that didn't happen. Right. I I listened to it multiple times. At one point he did say, we're going to go peacefully down. But it's like, "Mm, if you're in charge of there, (laughs) if if you were there, okay, let's say if I was there, I would have said point blank. We're going to go down to the Capitol. <laughs> that was spot on. <laughs> you got to say tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> tremendous. tremendous. Down my favorite street, most favorite street in Washington. It's been uh, more beautiful since I've yeah. gotten there. I would have said, 
and not a single person is going to go past those barriers. We are not going to mess anything. I mean, I would have been so clear. No one is to do that. And, and, and he wasn't. So at that, at that, uh, even if at best, she, I mean, was careless. Right. Uh, you know, at the very, at best. the very best, what was careless at, at, at the worst, uh, definitely in, inside of it. Right. Um, but I think if we're talking about just America and the, the craziness that we're in right now, you have to, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. How, how do we fix it? And well, if you know, tell me now, oh, I, I, tell I our listeners now <laughs> we need to know. Um, I think, uh, I, I think this is the craziest it's ever been because as far as I know, I don't think us as, as a society has gone through something like this when all of us are also on social media and there's all this cancel culture and yeah, those people who, you know, when, when you riot and you break stuff, it's because you think this is the only way I'm going to, I'm going to let somebody know how upset I am. This is, I mean, I, I have to do this. Um, and you normally have evidence of uh, of a society or something that is that is bringing you down, right? So the George Floyd video, right? George Floyd. We that was we've seen a ton of those. Yeah, that people was, are tired of seeing them. Tired of seeing them. That was really heartbreaking because it lasted so long. Mm. Um, and and there was a lot of chaos because of that, you know, and. I think as much as as the media likes to blame Trump and he deserves a lot of it by demonizing everybody on the left. I'm sorry, on the right. Right. Um by doing things like um banning Trump from Twitter, shutting down Parler, all that stuff, you're making these people think they don't have a voice that uh, you are subsequently becoming the bad guy that they think they have to defeat. Right. And, you know, uh, you said this in one of your podcasts is that the mainstream media, a lot of them point out every negative thing about Trump so much, even the positive things, they, either they just won't mention it or, or they'll twist it to something negative. Right. That when Trump does something bad, no one even, you've cried wolf too many times. We don't right. even know... Every day he is Satan. So what's, I mean, right. It's all orange man bad. And I mean, you've seen that shift in the media since Biden was elected. Um, I mean, you've seen, there's no question about whether or not the media is left leaning. I mean, of course they are, but, um, you've seen an incredible shift in the way that the media has dealt with and communicated with and covered Biden. I mean, I literally just talked about, I think it was on Wednesday, my podcast, um, CNN even took down the Chevron for the COVID death numbers. I heard you say that. And so, it's like, well, like that's, come on. Like, that's just yeah. b- point blank. So, so the problem is you have Trump saying the fake media. Right, And right. everyone's like, yeah, I agree. Honestly, yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. And, and, and he's, he's not. He's not wrong. And so when he says, and so everyone has been on board. No, I, I can see it. We all see it. They hate Trump. And, the, and you know, someone said this months ago, and it's so, so true. They're, they're activists. They're not journalists, right? Yeah. So, so you see this, and, and you start to get this idea. Okay, there there is a larger thing 
that's out there that is supposed to be doing something, but they're not because of their own interests. So when Trump starts saying voter fraud, yeah, well, you know what? I might believe you because you've been telling me about how the whole media is out to get you. Right. Maybe this is true too. Yeah. And then you hear the media say, he's lying, he's lying, there's no such thing as voter fraud. And it's not even as much, I think, to a lot of Trump voters, it's not even as much that Trump was saying that there was voter fraud. It was more of the fact that the media was saying that there wasn't. That Trump voters were looking at that and they were like, well, they've lied about well, everything for the past year, <laughs> two, four years, right? Yeah, and, and that there is the real danger in what the media did. Yeah. That when you know for the past you know i mean s- since since election night no um people already knew what everyone was going to say cuz they've been saying something and so when all this news came out they didn't know who to believe right right and i think the tough part is is the overall you have seen the entirety of the media say there was no voter fraud at all and we know that that's not true there's because always, it, there's, there's always, always some. some there there's going to be some voter fraud right and so if you call trump a liar when trump says that there there was voter fraud he technically is not wrong right now obviously trump said that he won the vote by millions of millions of votes he won the election by millions of votes not true okay that's okay that's fair you can call that out you can fact check that all you want that's that's not true okay but I think that when you demonize the entirety of the port, the, of the half of the country, and I think that most of the media f- didn't recognize or didn't want to realize there were still over 70 million people that voted for Donald Trump. There's a lot. That's a, that's, that's a lot of people in this country. And so, yes, you know, Donald Trump made a lot of missteps. And I, I believe wholeheartedly that Donald Trump lost this election himself. It was not Joe Biden that came in and ran any kind of incredible campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Joe Biden stayed in Delaware the entire time, like, did not do much, yeah. right? And Donald Trump shot himself in the foot in every way that he possibly could have and still barely lost. Like, I mean, literally 250 to 400,000 votes shift, and Donald Trump's, like, right there neck and neck. Mm-hmm. And so I, it. what's amazing to me is that, like, when every when all the dust had settled and everything had settled down, it's like you still have half of the country that legitimately did think that Donald Trump was going to lead in a better way. So instead of demonizing that entire right. group of people, why don't you say, okay, like obviously there's something about what Trump was saying that was either uh, compelling to you or you just legitimately hated the other side that much, right? Um, and you don't see the media doesn't seem to be doing that, right? There doesn't seem no, to be man. any type of they're, reality. They're fueling the fire. Right. I mean, so imagine, you know, with the Capitol breach, you know, if the media was, hey, you know what? We denounce all, all of the, however many people it was. Let, let, let's say it was 300. Maybe it was more. I, I don't think it yeah. was more than that. Hold on. More. Oh, it was a couple thousand. A couple thousand. Who got, who got in? Mm-hmm. All right, so I believe that can be fact checked yeah, as well. <laughs> we uh, we denounce all of that. You all broke the law, and you all should go to jail. Right. We also want to thank thank the tens and tens of thousands of people who didn't do that. Right. Thank you, other Republicans who were there for the same reason 
but didn't go. That chose been not a, to go cho- through. Chose the not to go through. Right. That's how you bridge the gap there, right? Mm, that's a good but, point. Um, but instead, you know, you can find. 2000 idiots anywhere right well that's, yeah. anywhere yeah right well and that's what i one of my favorite this is i guess a little bit off topic um, but one of my favorite things that i always heard especially from a lot of my republican friends was um well you know all the way down to the bitter end there was an election fraud this election is going to be flipped donald trump was able to get over a thousand affidavits of people talking about how the election, you know, the election was fraudulent. And I'm like, Donald Trump could get people, could get a thousand affidavits of people saying any, literally anything, anything. Like he could get a thousand affidavits of people saying that he's been to Mars and they saw him do it. Right. And it's like, come oh, yeah. on, come on. I mean, I'm, I'm sure whatever organization it is that try to find Bigfoot. There's probably a couple thousand of them. Oh, yeah. You can Those get people out there. All right. Say what you want. Bigfoot is real. Yeah. Okay. We can a, go ahead and throw that out I, there I mean, now. if you said, Landon, if you can find a thousand affidavits of people who have seen Bigfoot. I'd sign one right now. And I'll give you, <laughs> <laughs> you $100,000. You can find a thousand people to, oh, yeah. to, to do to anything. Do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, but the issue is in what the media is doing is they're, they're furthering that, that divide. Yeah. Purposely you know, so, right? Yeah. And, you know, um, I agree. Trump could have done and said a lot more things to where everyone would know he's not a racist. Uh, that's a great example. Um, sure. You know, yeah. You know, I have friends, too, who they would say, you know, you can go online and find clips of Trump just saying, you know, you know, he, that he is against the KKK and all this. You know, it's like. Yeah, he also had a lot of opportunities where he could have made that very, very clear. And he purposefully chose not to. And, and, he, and he didn't. And he it. winked and nodded at the alt-right, right? Like that 2017 in Charlottesville? Come on now. Uh, yeah. Come on. It's a great example. Um, and, But at the same time, I know uh, I have a lot of friends who are Republicans. I don't know a single one who is a racist. Yeah. I, um. I know all of those people would, uh, most of them, if I had to guess, if a neighbor of color was in trouble, would put life on the line to go help them. Yeah. Right. And so, but that's not, that, that's not the narrative we hear. And, and, and that's sad. Yeah. That truth be told, the majority of Americans would lay down their life to help somebody else out if their life was, was in danger. I, yeah. I, I, really, I, I, I believe most people would. And, I do too. And, I, do. And, I mean, it's kind of the reason you started this podcast, right? Because it's yeah. like you have these conversations. Yeah. And even people who believe two different things normally can have a conversation, and not go sideways, right? Yeah. But that's not what that's not what we see. Right. Know? Right. You know? Well, we're fed every day. We're more divided than ever. Right. Things are going down the crapper faster than they have ever before. Right. People are more racist than they've ever been. There's more white supremacists than there have ever been. Uh, everything is worse than it's ever been. And it's like, I, I have conversations with people every day and that's not what I hear. You know, like, mm-hmm. yes, I hear people that are worried and they're concerned for this current state of America, but like very rarely do I meet people that are 
openly and actively racist or saying horrible racist things. And it's because the culture in America doesn't accept it, right? And that's not to say that there aren't racist people. Of course there are. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm okay with with the free market of voices deciding racism is horrible and us actively working against it without you know the entirety of the cancel culture coming after people and right. attacking people and, and the problem is once again it's too much of crying crying wolf and and so and so you're using big terms like like racism and most people though would say oh i'm not a racist right no big deal when when it, in you know there is a lot of stuff that systems in place that are still oppressing black people and you don't have a lot of you might have nothing to do with that yeah but you're missing all that all that stuff you know the, the, these micro things that that are there that are issues yeah because of this bigger narrative saying trump is a racist and everyone who is there is, is a racist. racist, right? Is a white right. supremacist. If you're when a Donald Trump supporter, then you're a racist. It's bigoted, deplorable, right? And that's where it's, you know, the the media, the left, that that just they lose me there, right? It's like I I I can get and I can understand denouncing and attacking the sitting president of the United States because he refuses to condemn white supremacy on multiple occasions. I'm behind you. That's mm -hmm. terrible. He shouldn't do it. He shouldn't. He should purposefully condemn white supremacy but when you say that everybody that voted for donald trump is a horrible person like come on right or or or, or we'll take it i mean once again it, it's this stuff to get clicks yeah it's if all clickbait it's, it's the structure so yeah let's, so let's take the, the idea of defund the police mm. that was something that that got a lot of traction with a lot of people oh yeah i mean it blew i mean it blew up over the summer, that was that was it. That was the big thing. We're going to defund right. the police, and that got got a, a lot of attention, a lot of clicks, made a lot of people a lot of money somewhere. Yeah. Ad revenue, something. Yeah, that's going to come and go. And uh, instead of being reasonable and saying, you know what, most cops are okay, and they're and they're good cops, and they act the same whether it's someone who's doing a crime who's white or someone who's doing a crime who's black but there are cops who are not there's not a lot of them but what can we do to, to fix that right where are um the the smaller police groups where, where people are having issues i i have black friends and they say you know what if i drive to this city outside of columbia or in this city outside of columbia i've been pulled over yeah much you're gonna more. get stopped oh yeah well right? i had a black friend that i used to work with that had to buy a new car because he got pulled over so much he lived over in lexington and i think he drove like a cadillac and he was like i i, I kept getting pulled over he was like so i got a new car He was like i just was tired of it and i was like what like that are you kidding me he's like yeah dude that's just something i've had to live with and it's funny because like you talk to your black friends and they're like, yeah, that's just, that's, that's like par for the course. That's like, that's what I would expect. And I, that blows my mind. Right. But I mean, those are the conversations that need to be had, you know, and yeah, that's what affects most people. Right. Right. Um, but that's not, is, that's not what is going to get attention, you right. know, and 
and, and what's sad is we're doing everybody a disservice by only looking at, at, at these these small instances that, that are insane that they happened. George right. Floyd, it's insane that happened. Mind-blowing. But when we take that, most people, most most white people say, well, it doesn't happen in my city. Right. That That's, you know, that, that's over there with y'all. We don't have any issues here. Because we look at that one crazy thing that gets a lot of clicks. When the truth right. is, no, there are issues in your city. They're a lot smaller and they're not fancy. Uh, or, they're, they're, you know, it's not going to, you're not going to make a big fuss about it. But, but there are issues. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's sad. I, the state that America is in, I, I, I truly blame largely on, on the media. Hmm. And on, yeah. and on and on politicians who, um, uh, who get in office because of a popularity contest. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard was on Joe Rogan recently. Have you listened to that? Yeah, I listened to it, dude. Tulsi is awesome. Like I, dude, I love Tulsi Gabbard. I'm a huge fan. Me too. Huge fan. Me too. I I, I Tulsi I, Gabbard, if you hear this, please come on my podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, Joe Rogan had her on. Which is where I, I heard her for the first time, and then she said, "If I get to be president, I want to try to end lobbying." And I was like, "That is amazing! Right. I've never heard anybody say that, and it is—it's crazy that that even exists." Well, it's no wonder why she got blackballed from the Democratic ticket. A- absolutely. I mean, what's more elitist than saying only companies that make millions and billions of dollars can have access to that senator? Or that, or that, you know, or right. anyone who makes legislation. Right. Well, and like I, I, a perfect example of this is uh, to all of Trump's tariffs, all the tariffs that he put on China. It was amazing how he had all these Republican senators that came out and supported those tariffs. And then behind closed doors were writing letters to the United States Trade Representative, which the office that regulates who basically gets exempt from it. And asking them not to let those tariffs apply to all of the people within their district because they have those people, those large businesses in their district being like, listen, man, taking them out to a nice steak dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, listen, Lindsey Graham, I need I, I need you to make sure that I don't have to pay these tariffs right now. And at the at the end of the day, that's outrageous. I well, mean, if you're if you're looking for right. a reason why so many people are so distrusting of what like the entirety of the political and corporate structure in America, look no further than our campaign finance system and lobbying. You, you know what's crazy? It's against the law for public schools to pay for athletes to come to their school. Right. That's against the law. Right, against the law. Because illegal. We, because that would be unfair. Of course it would. How could you pay those people? Perfectly le- legal to fund entire campaigns, punch, I mean, Push as much money as you want into that campaign for a kickback. That no, that's fine. Yeah, that's, uh, that's okay. High school football player, sorry, you can't get money because you're a good athlete because that wouldn't be right. fair to the other schools. But if you're going to if you're going to legislate something for me, that'd be good for me. Here's a here's a quick half a million dollars, and that's just the 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 irony that 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 it can be found everywhere. In America, and I'm sure probably most governments. Right. I mean, anywhere. That like, okay, we obviously know that just because you have money and can pay for something doesn't give you the right to do that. 
because people who don't have money and who can't pay for that also can't do that. Right, and they're and, and we, so we have it on a on a on a small level like like high school sports, mm-hmm. but we get up to the 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 branch of government that affects all of our lives and they're perfectly legal. Right. It's okay. Let yeah. it roll. Let it ride. We, we don't mind, you know, oh, you, you know, were the head of this, you know, cattle union for your whole life. Yeah. Come be on the FDA. <laughs> there's no problem. With yeah. That's th- okay. There's no conflict of interest. There. Right. 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 You're not trying to push some sort of very specific agenda. Or right. Anything. And, and that's why it's like people get so mad at people for believing conspiracies. Yeah. Which and there's it, some wacky ones out there. Oh, of course. Yeah, there, there, there are some crazy ones. But people believe them because there is enough crappy stuff out there. Right. But it's like that. You know what? That's not too far. Right. It's believable. That's not as much a, a, of, of a stretch. Right. For me right. as you might think it is, you know? Mm. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it's sad. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, man is, is prideful. I recently was watching um, Lord of the Rings again. Oh, dude, so good. And so good. Shout out to Tolkien, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Mm. And it, it's just crazy, you know, because um, for those of you who most people probably know the story, right? But there's the Ring of Power. Right. Was destroying Middle Earth. And man... Killed, uh, I forget his name, it doesn't matter. The guy who, who created the Ring of Power, Sar- he's the eye, yeah, right. Oh, Sauron, yeah, 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 Sauron, and man got it, yeah, but man couldn't, couldn't handle the power, couldn't handle the power, right, right. And so it took these little hobbits who, who weren't affected as much by it, these humble hobbits. And I've been thinking about that through this whole thing of like, man can't handle the power, yeah. They, and they can't they can't handle the the millions of dollars that they make um th- they can't handle the popularity that's why cancel culture exists yeah man can't handle the power and and if there's a problem in your life i, I bet you could track it down to that mm-hmm. there's somebody getting ripped off at the same time because somebody else can make millions of dollars yeah oh absolutely you can always always i literally you can always follow the money yeah, I grew, my mom. I grew up. My mom always said that you can always follow the money. <laughs> it'll take mm-hmm. you. It'll take you right down to where, wherever the the source of the problem is, almost always there. So, I think us as Americans, we have to realize that, and then we have to say, how how do I not be a part of this? Right. And I think a big part, off the bat, is we have to stop this thought of if you disagree with me, I'm I'm gonna cancel you. Oh, and, yeah. and most people, even if they're a part of cancel culture, would probably say it's not a good thing. But still, I, I've seen so much. If you voted for this person, just defriend me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfriend me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Well, and that's one thing that I really am, not to shamelessly plug what I'm doing here, but um, to shamelessly plug it. My One of the one of my goals for this, for this podcast, and especially these little guest episodes that I'm going to be doing, is to bring people on that have wildly different opinions, mm. right? Have somebody from, I mean, some, some of my most far right wing conservative friends, and then some of my farthest left wing conservative friends and just talk to them 
and have completely have one episode where somebody says something that is so far left that my right wing listeners are like, I cannot believe, and then have somebody on the ne- very next episode that says something that's like my left wing listeners are like, I cannot believe that because there need there can and there needs to be this level of like meeting in the middle, you know, where you you are you're able to look and be like, you know what, I, I don't. I don't have to tell you to unfriend me. Maybe I can just listen to what you have to say. You know, that's okay. We can sit down and talk. There's things that you and I disagree with, right? We've been friends for years. And I can sit down and drink a glass of bourbon with you and sit down and talk for an hour and a half and have a great time, you know? Right. Um, and it doesn't have to be all of the. But I really do think a lot of that goes back to what you were talking about earlier with social media and this anonymity that comes with social media as well, this ability to be able to sit behind a screen and not be held accountable to being in front of somebody. I mean, there's plenty of things that if you said, people say online that if they said in person, somebody would beat the crap out of them, you know? <laughs> like, right. And they would never say it in person because of that, right? Right. And, you know, I mean, there's something in all of us, or in a lot of us, that... We want to fight for something good. Hmm. And, you know, I I heard somebody say this, you know, I I think years ago, but that, you know, um, at some point in every country, there's some sort of revolution because the people in power get too much power and the, the little people that have to take it back. Yeah. But... And, and if you look at statistics, you know, like America's past due for one. Way past due. But it doesn't happen because everyone, they, they do that tweet, you know, and it's like, right. I fought for it. Right, right. You know? Here's my contribution to this. Right. Hey, you stop that. Right. And they can sit beside behind their phone and eat their Cheez-Its. Or it's just like, you believe that? Curse word, all the, you, you right. know, die, you know. Right, right, and right. And it's like. You feel better about yourself for saying that. You made zero. Zero impact. Yeah. It's a false. And that's what, like, all this virtue signaling, too. It's, it's you know, we're all fighting for for something. And at the end of the day, it's like, what are you really fighting for? Is yeah. it going to make any real change? Hmm. Or does it just make you feel better or make you seem better to, to your friends, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's almost like... Um, you know, if you find a new band, you, you feel, you know, proud. It's like, I, I found this band before they got big. Oh, yeah. It's kind of the same. With I literally like, did that this week. I literally this week. I texted. I found a band on like Reddit or something that was new. I texted like three or four friends and I was like, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same thing, though, in, in, in finding something you disagree with. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I found out that this person or this company believes this. I'm going to blast them. Oh, look. It caught on, and I was the first person to... Right. I'm so cool. I was the first person. I hated that way before it was cool. Right. And it's this crazy thing, man, and it's driving. It's creating so much division. And and, and people who have big platforms, whoever you are, if you're in the media, you know, if you're in Hollywood, or if you're, you know, some big CEO of, of some company, these people are, are driving it. Yeah. You know, because... What they love or what they hate gets them likes, mm. you know. I think um, uh, maybe it was on Joe Rogan and and Tulsi, but that they they were talking about how much money Trump made <laughs> everybody, dude. <laughs> because he's gonna be making so much more money after this. He's gonna make more money than he's ever made ever in his entire life. 
in the next year or two. Right. Isn't that crazy? <sighs> Gonna kill um, it. Right. And, and and same, you know, for all the 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 media outlets who hated him, they did so much to drive up free I, marketing. I mean, oh yeah. Free. Oh yeah. And, and and they created the you know, people who who maybe would marginally like Trump. They love him now, right? Because because they've seen you know, um, what you've done, and they really hate you. <laughs> yeah, right. right Some right. of their love for Trump because they hate you so much. Right, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it's nuts, man. It is. We're living in a crazy time, to say the least. But you know, it's all right because we got good friends. Right. We're able to sit down and have good conversations, and hopefully, at the end of the day, things will start to improve. I. I really do think and hope for that kind of like middle ground because I think that people are starting to push towards that. But yeah, we have to fight for it. It's not going to be given to us. Yeah, no. We have to make decisions. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, hating this person this much would, you know, my twelve friends would make me look very virtuous. Hmm. But I'm gonna I'm gonna choose not to do that for the sake of not killing this friendship. I don't have to kill or or or, or not. Um, you know, being this, this divisive, right? We have right. to actively do things to go against the tide to care for other Americans who, who disagree with us. Yeah. And it has to be done on that individual level. Mm-hmm. It has to be done one by one. Right. But, well, I think that's a good place to end it. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Did you have fun? Lots of fun. Good dude. I did too. I'm so glad. All right. Where can people find you on social media? Who, yeah. where, uh, what are your handles? Right. If you want to follow the best band in South Carolina. Easily number one. Station 7 band. All spelled out. We don't abbreviate with numbers. <laughs> Can't do that. Um, if you want to follow my farming um, and homestead journey, you can find me at Derby Lane Farm on awesome. Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, man. I enjoyed it thank a ton. Thank you. Thanks for what you're yeah. doing. Oh, dude, I'm enjoying it. We need it. Well, I, I'm I'm hoping that it continues to grow, that we can continue doing this for many years to come. Absolutely. All right. Over and out. <laughs>